Welcome to the SG Engage podcast, where it's all social good all the time. Sit back and relax as the brightest minds from across the social good community engage with trends, big ideas, and best practices to help you drive impact. Welcome to the SG Engage podcast. This is Rachel Hutchison, and I have the honor and pleasure of leading global social responsibility for Blackboard. Today, I'm joined by Chris Jarvis, who is the co-founder and CSO of Realized Worth, as well as the executive director of the RW Institute. So welcome to the podcast, Chris. Thank you. Hi, good to be here. Yeah. So is there any opening remarks you want to make before we get to our topic? No. Okay. I think <laughs> I don't think there is. Other than uh, just really appreciate the uh, opportunity to be here with you and love the work that Blackbot's doing and happy to support in any particular way uh, I can. So, so this is great. Yeah. So Chris and I cooked up an idea. Yep. And that idea was that we would kick off something called the CSR Book Club because we both read a ton of things. And right now my stack of books is high. There's all these <laughs> things that are coming out. We, we would read these books and occasionally we would get together uh, and talk about them. Mm-hmm. And we immediately broke our own rule, uh, which is, I guess, in our purview. And we said, let's focus first on an article because a really interesting article, you know, came in front of us and we said, we have got to talk about this. So this is a February 2022 piece that came out in the Stanford Social Innovation Review. And it's called Fixing the S in ESG by a gentleman named Jason Saul. Mm -hmm. So we are here today to talk about the many things that have come up in this article and what we think about them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Chris, fixing the S in ESG, thoughts? Well, I suggest, I, I, the reason that I noticed this article is because of Jason's work around mission measurement and then uh, the genome project, uh, project. And so he's been in the space for a long time doing social impact measurement and the like. And um, so I was on, on a phone call with him and he mentioned this article because I think I had said, I th- I want to write something about how the E and the G are ganging up on the S or <laughs> bullying the S because the poor S is getting like... Um, the S is the middle <laughs> child. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what does the S want now? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I, I thought it was a really interesting... It, it, I don't think anybody who knows this space is going to be shocked with anything in the article, but it lays it out in a really nice way brings up some good questions and does a nice comparison between the E and G in terms of materiality and what risk is and other things. So I'm, I think this is, I, I love that we broke the rule to begin talking about this because in terms of, and it, it feels really salient given the state of the world as well, because as we're recording this, there's the war in Ukraine happening uh, as a backdrop. So I, I'm I'm delighted to dive into this topic. And I'm glad that you used the word salient because we are sticking with the S theme. So oh, good, good, good Isn't point. that awesome? So yeah. I like to say that I live and breathe the S every day because it's very mm. much aligned with what I do in my own work. And I have two incredible partners in Blackboard's ESG work, one of whom is really aligned with the E and one of whom is really aligned with the G. Uh, but they all interplay with each other. So... So is there something in particular that really resonated with you in this piece? Or there are some things that, that I agree with, there's some things that I don't agree with, and maybe it's because I'm so close to it. But I yeah. wonder what you're thinking. Well, you know, it, it, he, he lays out the uh, the 
obvious for uh, uh, because you know you never know where people are coming from and so e and g uh what they are s what it is and interestingly he says um commentators and investors have described s in many different ways social issues labor mm -hmm. standards human rights social dialogue pay equity workplace diversity access to health care racial justice so, so there's a long list of things that are s that we all really care about and what I've noticed, and I'm curious to know what you think about this, in the recent um, publication of the uh, CECP's uh, Giving in Numbers 2021 or 2022, they, ha they added something called total social value. Did, did you see that? Yeah, I've actually talked to them about it. We're a CEC, but CECP member, and so I've actually talked to them about, like, how do you think about that? And yeah. I was interested in it. Yeah, because when I see, when you look behind the curtain at what companies mean by S, when they get on these rankings of top 100 companies and, and, and they do well on S, and you look at what that means, it typically means we have diversity and we report on it. We have a fair living wage and we have a way for people to talk about it and we report on it. We have all of the, we, you know, we follow labor standards, we conduct, we have a human rights code that we follow. And it reminds me of the early days of CSR when a lot of companies were claiming to have a robust CSR program, but basically they were following norms, social norms, and they were not going to jail, meaning they were following the law and they were reporting on it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that early stage of CSR was, that's a fairly rudimentary way to understand corporate social responsibility. And I sort of wonder if S isn't there as well. One, because as he points out, it's easy to measure E and G and investors respond to it. And Peter Drucker, bless his soul, we, we measure what matters. I think we measure what we can and then try to tell you why it matters, which isn't always wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But the big problem is there are no standards. What is S? What should be included? And CECP's report, going back to that for just a second, and, and here's the question I had for you, Rachel, and I should say for the listeners, if I sound a little different than normal, if you've heard me before, I have Tourette's syndrome and it's active today. So hopefully I'm not going to curse on the podcast. If I do, they'll bleep it out, right? That's right. Don't you're, worry about it. So what that does then, and what the report then did was move the goalposts posts on what is now considered community investment. So the investment is massive. If you start to just add, you know, we, um, we pay people a fair wage and that's this much more than we normally would, or we've invested in diversity training, but isn't some of that just good business? And this goes back to the early CSR stuff, staying out of jail. Is, is this really an investment in the S or is it just table stakes? Isn't it just, well, of course you do that. How do you, how do you take that? Yeah, it's so I always struggle when I, you know, there are all these different charts and and diagrams of what ESG means. <clears throat> this is what's under E, this is what's under S, and this is what's under, mm -hmm. under G. And frankly, depending on which one you you, you know, use, they can be different. And yeah. so there's not even agreement about that. S is and I'm about to use a highly technical term, so beware. S right. is somewhat squishy. 
So wait, <laughs> that's a technical term. That's squishy? a technical term. Squishy. Awesome. That's squishy. Gonna... So you know, obviously, it has human capital and policies mm-hmm. and approaches and human rights and all the stuff in it. But it, it also has your philanthropy, which you can measure, your service, your community engagement, and then it has that big thing called social impact. And that's that's the thing that that is harder to measure. There's no one way to do it. Right. So. It to, I don't think it's an either or like, you know, some of these things are fundamentally important to the business. They just also happen to be in the ESG frame. It's yeah. not like all the things that are important to the business are over on one side and handled another way. And ESG is additive to that. They're, they're yeah. matrixed. They're highly mm-hmm. interconnected. And even parts of the E and the S and the G are highly connected. I so agree. the hardest part for me and the reason we were talking to CECP about their, their new thinking is how do you actually measure the social impact of a company? You know, there are easy, the uh, easiest thing to do is to give your numbers. So you have financial analyses, but how do you actually convey the reach and the power of the goodness that you do as a company or as an organization? Because I think ESG really should be for everyone. And one of my minor complaints about the article or the ways I reacted to it is it very much focused on the financial definition of ESG, the financial definition of materiality. And I think ESG really is for everyone. It's for people who are want to come and work for a company and they want to check out the place where they work. It's not just for the investor. So yes. I, I take a very it, broad view there. And I, interestingly, when I read it, I thought he was making the point that we need to move to a broader stakeholder perspective. He was. Rather, yeah, okay. He was. Okay. He got there. But at the beginning, I'm reading it and I'm like, no, 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 no. That's so maybe I think I wasn't the audience for the piece because at the right. beginning, I'm like, this is not broad enough. This is not broad enough. And then he does say, you know, we need to adopt a broader view, et cetera, et cetera. I think I'd like to think that more people have already gotten to a broader view. Yes, and yet, no, right? Yeah, like, right. Uh, yeah, yes, I agree. I would like to think that as well. But even where he he landed in terms of the metrics that are already being measured, we're talking about pel- public health and social determinants, yeah. um, racial equality, income inequality, and financial inclusion, and workforce development. And most of those are in the company's brand bubble. They're not a broader community investment piece. And of course, Jason's coming from social impact in the broader community, right? So I think there's a lot more here. I think we should be looking at if, okay, I'm doing um, for the Urban League in DC coming up a presentation in June. And we were going back and forth. This is um, uh, for the Black community. I, I apologize. I can't remember the, the exact name of the organization, but maybe we can drop it in the show notes after so people That's can fine. click on yeah. that link. Okay. And uh, she was making the point, Ms. Corbin, that it is possible and probable that even though a company is investing heavily in income inequal- in inequality, and understanding that within their own workforce, workforce development, and racial equity, mm-hmm. that a person at a senior level can go to all of these meetings, take the courses, check the boxes, and never actually have to do the internal work to change. And of course, this gets into the kind of stuff we do, have the experiences that rewire the, his neural pathway. So he still sees the world. He has more information, but he still sees the world fundamentally the same way. And then they bring in, you know, uh, 
a black fellow at that senior level to represent, you know, or more likely a, a black woman to represent diversity, inclusion, equity work. And they just sit beside each other and he's never done the internal work to change because our investment in S doesn't even consider the individual affect. D does that make sense? Like, well, that's we interesting. This stuff around us, but it feels like yeah. moving pieces on the board. Yeah, that's interesting. And it, it raises the question of, you know, you know, let's say a company or an organization does wonderful work. I've just been working with an organization I'm involved with, the Giving Institute, about mm -hmm. our diversity, equity, and inclusion journey. And I say, from my own experience, that if you aren't struggling with it and it's not mm -hmm. hard, then mm -hmm. you're really not doing it right because this work exactly. is hard. But exactly. It's each person comes to that journey and moments of realization at different points. You know, you yes. cannot force someone to get to a exactly. point where they accept, acknowledge, you know, we each have to kind of sit with our own discomfort and our own knowledge and, and get there at whatever period of time we get there through our own lived right. experiences. And so it's hard for me to hold a company accountable. Now, a company can hold a, a leader or someone accountable for what, how they act, the decisions they make, all of that. But if someone hasn't fully gotten there on their own personal journey, how does a company deal with that, even if they're offering all of the right things? Yeah, I, you know, I, that's, that's and that is the point. That like it's like the organizational view versus the personal view, and and ideally, but the organization focusing on it will help people move along their journey and understand and open their minds. But but that's great. Uh, that's a great question to ask. And what what does that journey look like? What does it mean to move along it? And you're right; it's up to each person. This has to be voluntary because. DEI has struggled with the command and control. You will stop thinking that way. And that in human beings, that's we not have how a bias. Our brains work. Like, no, exa that's exactly right. We dig in because our identity is being threatened. So it's we go right to the fight or flight mode and we're not open to learning. So you can't do that. But for those who can, what would that journey look like? And this brings us back to the comment I made about God bless him, Peter Drucker, who's br more brilliant than I will ever be. Since we can't measure it, does it matter? Or maybe oh, yeah, a lot of things matter. Maybe we should measure. be measured. Yeah, exactly. So How maybe do you measure love. I mean, you can't measure love. You know, but you can, couldn't you? Sure, well, you could. Maybe Absolutely. someone smarter than I am can. But it's like <laughs> humanity and like, like all these expressions of goodness that are very visceral. Right. But I can, in our work, I can show you where employees may have showed up a, a, a soup kitchen for the first time. Uh, we just ask some um, basic questions um, from from what you know. Uh, what what would you what do you know about this population? Why are they here? And you'll you'll get things like, well, they've opted out of society. They're pushing back. Um, they don't want to work. They're alcoholics. Yada yada. That same person after two or three exposures, it will change it, and they'll be our society has a ton of gaps. We're not looking after people. We don't have proper uh, care or education for people. Deal. We treat drug addiction like it's a crime. We criminalized addicts as opposed to treating yeah, them in hospitals. Their minds have been open. Their eyes have been opened. Yeah. And you can track that. You can track that worldview perspective change, a change in beliefs. And that gets back to Miss um, Corbin's uh, comments, which was, why don't companies, ERGs are great, but why don't companies have a PTSD type program for black community members who don't even know how traumatized and how much pain they're living with on a regular basis because like a toothache 
it's there and it's affecting you, but you've just numbed out to it. That kind of S would be really interesting to me to go beyond the risk of for an investor, which is squarely what the, you know, S&P is, is only measuring for. Yeah, I feel, you know, I mean, you're talking about, you know, something really deep, but, you know, the, the beginning definition of ESG is, it can be, is very technical. I tend to interpret it as something that can be technical, but also is very emotive and very, you know, a new employee, someone or someone applying for a job wants to check out who they're going to work for. They want to understand, do they operate in a professional way? What, are, what do they believe? What are their values? And then when you look beneath their values, are they actually acting and operating in a way that's aligning with their values? And that pushes us a little more to the communities being served, the impact, the understanding. That's that's a journey. It's a long journey. It's it's yeah. It's a long game. It's not yeah. something that can just happen. Even if you're trying to do all of the good work, it doesn't mean you're going to accomplish everything or you're going to accomplish it quickly. Yeah, exactly. And this this kind of thing that we're talking about the the change that an individual may experience. It takes longer to get to, but it also lasts generationally. This is what is passed on to our kids, our friends and family. This is how we leave the next generation on better footing than we found when we got here. But it would be really hard to report that year over year in your S and your ESG report. With because the current understandings and frameworks. Yeah, exactly. Right. With the, the current understandings and frameworks are all system oriented and legally immersed, like legal definition. I fundamentally don't think that's what S wants to be. What does and I S want to be? S wants to be the kind of change that we can experience as we invest in each other. Whether that's, you can say it's a community, you can say it's colleagues, you can say it's, and I, I think it shows growth in us. So even relegating S to social impacts, external social impacts, like we built 50 houses, that's only part of it. Mm-hmm. What what happened at your company because you did that? Like, let's talk about how your company is progressing. Because if we come back to an individual, and I'm curious to see how you what you think of this analogy. If I, as an individual, when George Floyd was murdered in public, if I tweeted out, this is terrible, blah, 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 a couple, two or three times put on Facebook, and never asked, what are my biases? What does it mean for a 53-year-old white male to participate in the society and effectively keep it going? Like, I, I sit on the intersectionality of George Floyd, and if I do nothing, I make sure that that will happen again and again and again. What am I doing internally to move from a performative ally, which is kind of where we all begin, that's our journey, to an actual ally? And if companies keep doling up dollars, building businesses, and checking off lists, they effectively can become performative and protect their racism, protect all of the racism, which doesn't live in a company. It lives inside of people because we are not willing to take the long view and do the deep work to see ourselves changed. So that that's what I think S should be. I think S should call us to move past the signaling 
to meaningful change that leaves the next generation better. That's oh, what I, I like that. The move, moving beyond the signaling to meaningful change, and and it's so easy to talk about a company as if it's this one immovable yeah. object, <laughs> like an entity, like a sentient entity. Yeah, it's just going to do this thing, and therefore it's yep. good. A company is made up of people at all different mm-hmm. phases of their lives yep. and careers and beliefs and journeys. So, you know, I think we need all of it, you know, we, companies should be helping people deal with, you know, we we have employees every day who are looking out and seeing great hardship around them, whether it's the war, whether it is racial inequity, whether it's just something in their community, whether it's the fact that they're trying to work and they have little kids at home who they haven't sent to school and whatever it is, there's all sorts of mess that people are are dealing with every day. I think we're becoming more human in understanding that and companies are, are really understanding the, you know, the real life that their people lives, the real lives. Yeah. But it's, um, it doesn't mean it's all going to happen fast or happen at the same time for everyone. Right. And that, I, obviously that's a problem for the private sector, which thinks quarterly and thinks command and control in terms of we're going to have a strategy, we're rolling out a new product, learn it, sell it, do it. If you don't, you're fired. I, in that construct it's very hard and this is why i think s is acting the way it is within esg because the construct of the private sector or the or the incorporation which has been around since the roman empire is a round hole and this is a square peg i mean it's 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 not an easy fit which contributes to the hard work plus there's a whole bunch of people in leadership you know what dealing with my own stuff internally that's hard work. I don't know if I want to do it. Very I got a work. job to do. I don't want to get fired for being distracted. I hate feeling terrible. Is there anything I can actually do about it anyway? When you get to that level, I think that's where meaningful change can happen. So, but that is that is a um that's a difficult place to go as a leader in a company, I think. So, do you I think I see this, but I want I know I see this, but I want to know if you mm. see this. Do you see companies and organizations showing up as being more human as a result of the last couple of years? Sometimes in some places for some reasons. <laughs> yeah, I we could have we could have looked at um, British Petroleum back in the day and said, "Oh, they are the leader of the CSR world." And then the Gulf situation happened with Halliburton. Companies are complex and kind of schizophrenic. One group over here is doing an amazing thing. This other group over here is undermining national sovereignty. I, it's just, it's all over the place. And the only way, I, what do you think? I'm going to say the only way to change that is to for a cultural shift that happens one person by one person expressing different values that they think are inextricably linked to their own identity. And that is unalterable. My identity that is the one thing I won't give up, but that is contagious, but it, it's long and hard work and it's one by one. You cannot, you know, there are initiatives around, uh, Michael Porter is a big uh, proponent of this, sort of this, you put the strategy in place and then you show everybody how to follow it. But that's not how you get the kind of results we could see in S if we thought about it differently. Yeah, you have to engage, you know, the people on the ground, the people in the community you're trying to serve. You, But they have to want yeah. to right they have to be through their own experiences you use a great phrase your own lived experience has to be the internal intrinsic driver that you can't you can't make happen through 
the ex extrinsic motivators like pay and 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 roles and that kind of thing. Yeah. So when I read an article like this one that you know set us off and think about this conversation, I always you know think about the train is moving 120 miles an hour and we're re-engineering the engine of the train while it is still yeah. moving. Because yeah. all of this, we need all of this. We need the, the short wins. We need to try to take the right steps. And mm -hmm. then we need understanding that to truly measure social impact and to do it well, I believe that you have to take a very, very long view. And the really tricky part is the way that things intersect with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, I love the SDGs, the UN SDGs, and that, but yeah. they didn't yeah. come with a toolkit of how to even understand them or, or interpret them or use them or fund them. And they, they, and even nonprofits will say, well, we're about this and this, but no, you have to be one. Like everything is so, it's really, this is really hard work or we would have tackled it before. We would have figured it all out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And until we do tackle it and think about it differently, you know, and I'm about to overstep my knowledge base here a little bit. So I'll be interested <laughs> to see. You admit it. <laughs> In Einstein's day, everybody was trying to figure out the ether, which was just a word people used to explain things that they couldn't understand um, or, or that didn't make sense in physics. His father actually was very upset that he went into physics because it was a dead end field at the time. All he did was posit that there's a different, and, and this is well captured in Kuhn's uh, Scientific Revolutions, but he posited a different way of seeing it and approaching it, an, an entirely different paradigm to understand gravity. But that was required for moving us forward. And I wonder with the S, if that's not where we are, especially seeing things play out again the way they are in Europe. We, we as a species, are condemned to do this every 40 years, it seems like, unless we, unless we change something fundamental about the way we see the world. And I think the S is a crack that we could step through to do that. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, I look at the S and I love the S because it aligns mostly with, with what I do and what yeah. I believe. And I like E and G too, because they're both important, but I'm really all about the S. Yeah. And so I think it's interesting that we're even at a moment where we're shining a light on it. Like in, you have mm -hmm. ESG and they're equal size and the S has all of a sudden gotten big and people are looking at it. And that's a really healthy thing because it means that, you know, as companies and organizations go on their journeys, it means they're thinking more about that. Like, how do we, let's struggle with how do we actually tell the story around S for our own organization. And that has to lead to somewhere positive because that starts making you think about the impact of the impact you're having on society. Mm -hmm. You can't mm -hmm. stay in, in very specific metric driven bounds. You have to think broadly and that's gotta lend, you know, head us somewhere positive. And I also think the fact that it's not just investors looking at this information, it's just people, it's employees, it's customers, it's community and it's investors all looking at it. I think it makes it richer and ESG becomes something that's more important to everyone. Yeah, and we we haven't even discussed the fact that between E, S, and G, S is the way to involve employees at any level, anywhere, anytime, because it's such a broad space, right? And um, it can accommodate a plethora of interests and opportunities in any context. It's like we need and a so portfolio of examples of S. 
Yeah. Here are really uh, good examples of S. Right. And right, let's exactly. educate people about what S could look like. And it looks different yeah. at different kinds of companies. Yeah. But here are things that that the form that S could take. Yeah. Exactly. So, and and then you begin to think about. Uh, so, uh, Jason suggested in his article, if we're going to solve for S, we would need better standardization, quantification, and reporting. But unless we redefine S and and broaden it out, we're going to end up with a fairly, you know, financial audit of what's easy to measure. Yeah, it's easy to say that we need those things, and then yeah. I say, oh wow, like what if they end up being things that are are really not aligned with how we think yeah or because i already see i mean in esg there are certain things that you know my company will get dinged for in a by a rating agency and we're like but wait a minute that doesn't even apply to us and so we have to spend a lot of time kind of undoing that so there is a danger when you don't have some room to interpret for your own organization to say i'm yeah. going to lift up what this looks like for us and i'm going to explain it to you and show you yeah. like there are different dare I say it, different flavors of S or different oh, versions I, I, of that's S. That's the flexibility yeah. that I love about it. Exactly. And yet there are some companies that are, you know, take a big pulpit and say, we need to do better in the world, but have zero visibility into what S might mean for them beyond following the list of things I read at the beginning, labor standards, human rights, social dialogue, pay equity, things that I, you kind of expect in yeah, the workplace. They are, yeah, yeah, you do expect right. them. And now you have to show that you're not just saying it, you're actually, oh, right. you know, I don't just say that this is important, I'm actually doing it, and here is some proof that I am doing it. And I do think yeah. that, that is what's happening in the world. Um, there's a little more accountability. Yeah, like in terms of, I'm not disagreeing, I'm just wondering if you could give an example. Well, you know, we have stakeholder activism, we have employees who are willing to say, hey, you might say this, but what about this? We have the world right. holding people accountable and saying you can't say, you just have a branding campaign that says something about what your company believes. People are looking at that organization's a uh, actions. And it's not just through ESG. It's they're no. taking a broad view and they're calling companies on, well, wait a minute, that's not right. You say this, but you act this way or you decided this. And So I don't know if you want to go here or not, but we'll find out if, it, if this gets edited. Uh, if not, it's kind of, Funny when I talk about editing and they leave it in. <laughs> Yale management put in a list of 400 companies and the relationship to the sanctions on Putin and Putin's uh, totalitarian government. It is shocking to see how many companies they rated as a D, meaning no change and actually resisting sanction legislation so they can keep operating. It's interesting to see how many companies down there are also top of the list for ESG. That that for me is a bit of a disorienting dilemma hmm. because that is a big S issue. Now, okay, I said that. What, what do you think? Well, I think Have it would you... be interesting to see what those companies are saying. You know, the question would be, hey, X company, then why is this? Can you explain that? You know, I thought mm -hmm. you were going to say that all these companies had come out with statements and beliefs and about what's happening today and their operations were in direct conflict. And that's a problem. Like you shouldn't be coming out and saying something as a company and not behaving in a way that is aligned with it. And now you can't always, there's not always a perfect answer to everything. And there's always something that's right. on your to-do list yeah, I, that you yes, haven't come absolutely. out with yet and you're working yeah. on because it's hard, but something really big like that is 
you know, their people get to choose where they spend their money based on what they believe and how they think companies are acting. So but if, not everybody, not every general consumer would know. No. So this takes us back to the reason I brought this up, as you said, people are watching. And so you can see two massive food companies, both with using almost the same language and one saying, and for these reasons, we're withdrawing. And the other one saying, for these reasons, we're staying. Like the 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 hmm. press release on, from both of these enormous multi-billion dollar companies was almost the same and they still decided to go different directions. But that to me is an indicator of what S means internally to them. I get a little peek into what that means. Now, the thing that I have to account for is what you just rightly said, which is, I don't know all the variables and there could be a lot of things happening, right? Given that they've said what it means to them, they're putting it out there and people get to decide what they think about that. So I think one is full of baloney and I think the other one is probably legit. But I don't know if many companies understand that they're being evaluated on a regular basis like that. And in the end, am I going to buy any differently? Studies show that pro- I won't, probably won't. I do, but that's because I'm me. Oh, yeah. I buy okay, certain things. Brand I like certain brands. It's a lot more about brands I choose to support because right. I think they're doing, you know, doing good things and they they really do believe what they say and you can yeah. find actual proof of it. Yeah, it's um, it's a worthy conversation um, thinking yeah. about the impact you have on community and world and society and how do you actually come to terms with how you measure it, whether it's something broad. The thing I worry about with broad things is what if they come up with a mechanism that doesn't work Yeah, for you, but, but we shall continue to talk about these things. So Chris, I want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It was great to be with you. <laughs> You're welcome. So to our SG Engage listening audience, thank you again for joining us. I hope you check out this and other episodes of the podcast, however you consume them. This is Rachel Hutchison signing out.